There's a saying, and we all know it, and we've all experienced it. If you want to know somebody, and you want to know them well, they say, come and live with me. If you want to know somebody, live with them. And in that way, you will get to know somebody very well. The Gospel of Matthew is, is about, come live with me. Jesus is saying to his disciples, that is why he called them. And this coming to live with Jesus came to a climax in the Gospel last Sunday, when Jesus said, who do people say that I am? And the disciples offered up some suggestions. So he says, who do you say I am? And Peter spoke up for the group, you're, you're the Messiah, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus, for the first time, says, yes, I am the son of the living God. I am the Messiah in your midst. And I have chosen you as my disciples to be the very people who will assist me, my special friends, my intimate friends, my companions, who will bring about the kingdom of God with me. It was a very profound moment in the Gospel of Matthew, a very profound moment in the life of Jesus, and an extremely profound moment in the life of his disciples. It, has, it had come to a climax at this point. So it is, it is at a time then when Jesus can go to the next level of revealing who he is and what he is about. And, and, and that is why he says to them that, they, before I get to that, but they, they, they were delighted because their expectation of the Messiah, the Jewish expectation of the Messiah when he comes, would be he would be like King David. And King David was a fabulous king who brought all the tribes together, built up a great kingdom, was a terrific warrior, could go about winning wars all over the place, restored uh, the temple, did great things. And that is what the disciples were signing up for. They were happy to follow Jesus as the warrior king who would restore everything that was good and drive the Romans out and everybody else and restore the kingdom. So it comes at a great disappointment to them, a huge disappointment. Um, when, when, when he said that, that I'm going to go to Jerusalem, Jesus said, and it is in Jerusalem, the temple, the, the dwelling place of God in the holy temple, that the religious authorities, I will suffer greatly, I will be punished, I will be put to death. And he then says, and be raised. But the understanding at that time was at the end of creation, all faithful followers of God would be raised. It's not talking about the resurrection of Jesus that we know about. So you can leave that aside and just focus on that I'm going to suffer greatly and be put to death. They thought that Jesus would the one who would suffer greatly other people and put them to death, those who were making life so miserable for the Jewish people, for God's holy people at that time. So this is a, this is a, a moment when Peter, speaking for them, says, this is completely unacceptable. And that is why he takes Jesus aside and begins to say to him, look, 
we're not signing up for this. This is not what the Messiah is about. You, you, must, be, you must be out of your mind talking like this. Then we have that very forceful word, word of Jesus to get behind me, Satan. The very person that was going to be the leader of his disciples is now the voice of the evil one. And once again, we see a temptation being slipped into the way of Jesus, the way God is calling Jesus to be and what God is calling Jesus to, to witness to. And uh, Jesus puts him rightly back in his place. He says, get behind me, because Peter had inverted the relationship. You had the Messiah, you had the, the leader, the teacher, Jesus, the Lord, and his disciple. Peter turned that upside down by trying to make the disciple the one who was going to decide what would happen. And that is, um, that is something that Jesus wanted Peter to understand, something very deeply about him and what did Jesus live for? Why was he being crucified? Why was he going to suffer greatly and be put to death? Very simply, if you want to sum up the whole mission and the message of Jesus, it was that, that God rejects no one and excludes no one from his forgiveness. God rejects no one and excludes no one from God's forgiveness. And this is all that Jesus did in his words and in his actions and in his ministries. He excluded no one and he offered God's unconditional forgiveness to all people. But this put him in direct contradiction to the religious authorities at that time. And Jesus knew, he could see the writing on the wall, that if he remained faithful to this, he was going to suffer greatly and be put to death. And so he was. Because those in power at that time were incredibly threatened by this by the type of Messiah that Jesus is going to be. And if the disciples were going to be his disciples, then they need to get behind him, walk behind him, follow in his footsteps by excluding no one and uh, by rejecting no one and excluding no one from God's forgiveness. And Jesus gives examples of how you do this. The first one was deny yourself. And denying yourself, unfortunately, has been misinterpreted down through the ages. Actually, in the Middle Ages, there was a religious group who practiced severe, I don't know, what's the word, starving themselves, which we know could develop into an illness. But they would like deny themselves so much food, they were nearly like skeletons. And what Je that was not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about something that was probably more difficult. It was to put the opinions of Jesus before your own opinions. And believe me, I know people value their opinions greatly. And uh, they even value more expressing their opinions. So it could be very challenging 
to sacrifice your opinions about God, about life, about many things. And takes a lot of humility to say, well, maybe there's an opinion in the world that is more important than my opinion. And that is the opinion of Jesus Christ, revealed to us in his words and in his actions. So denying yourself is loving more God's plan revealed in Jesus than our own plan, than our own opinions and our own ways of life. And the second one is also has been misunderstood. was take up your cross and follow me. Once again, this led to cults down through the history of our Christian faith and where people destroyed their bodies uh, in many weird ways inflicted wounds on their bodies. And that's not what Jesus is talking about once again. It means being faithful to what Jesus believed in, even in difficult times, to exclude no one, to reject no one, and exclude no one from God's forgiveness. Because there's times we do want to reject people from our lives. There's times when we don't want to be respectful towards other people. And especially there's times when we want to exclude people, to, to reject people, to exclude people from God's forgiveness. And that is why at the end of the, today's gospel, um, and, and that's what taking up your cross is. In the difficult times when this is difficult to do, that means taking up your cross. Doing this, even though it is incredibly difficult to do. So once again, Jesus concludes the gospel by reminding us, we will be held accountable for our failure to, like Jesus, to reject no one and, and to exclude no one from God's forgiveness. That's something that's very powerful. Jesus is reminding us, each one of us will be held accountable for the good we fail to do. Every one of us in this life will be held accountable for the good that we fail to do. And the good that we fail to do is by, if we um, reject people from being part of our life. No matter who or what they are, we are called to be respectful to every human being made in God's image and likeness. And if we fail to do that, we will be held accountable. We'll be held accountable for the good we have failed to do. And likewise, if we don't forgive, if we have resentment, towards other people, perhaps of a woundedness, a word, an action, an attitude. God doesn't want us living in resentment. God wants us living in forgiveness and making forgiveness a way of life. So God doesn't want us to be living in resentment. God wants us to live in peace. And excluding people from, from God's forgiveness is something that we can do in our attitude, 
in our inner dispositions, in our unforgiveness. So in today's gospel, let us remember very profoundly that God rejects no one and excludes no one from God's forgiveness. That includes us, but it also includes us to be his disciples, to be his messengers of this to the world in which we live in today.